Knoxville. We got two boys knocking on Knoxville's door. Welcome to Knoxon on Knoxville's door. I'm going to say it again. Knoxon on Knoxville's door. This is a podcast where two Knoxville boys, myself and my partner over here. Is it business associate? Grant Howard? Yes. Talk about all things Knoxville and East Tennessee and share a few laughs. This guy's Trey Townsend. And you're Grant Howard for mixing it up for this one episode. And we're coming to you live from the tip and the top of the monolithic monument in World's Fair Park, the Sun Sphere. So uh, today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, a pretty serious topic. topic I think. Trey, this is two for two now. Oh. Two in a row, you fucked up the intro. Topic, actually, the firing of UT Chancellor Beverly Davenport. It's pretty high profile. It's if, been in the news. If you haven't heard about this, you're about to hear a lot about it because this is a fascinating story. It's, it's pretty interesting. Story. Um, but before we do that, we want to um, play a little uh, game here that we like to play called Finishing Kenny. What do you think? I love it. Let's do it. Finishing Kenny, I have lyrics of plenty. I am finishing Kenny. This is Finishing Kenny. It's a segment where uh, Mr. Grant Howard here tries to guess and finish Kenny Chesney's lyrics. That's right. Renowned lyricist and country music fan Grant Howard is going to try and guess what one of the greats was thinking when he wrote his song. So for this uh, for this edition of Finishing Kenny, I picked a um, I picked a newer track. Is it "Thank God I'm a Country Boy"? No, I don't know. <laughs> that's not, is that not that's not new. That's like an old one. Is that that was Kenny? that your joke? Is, yeah, is that Kenny Chesney? No, no. Toby Keith. Are you talking know. about the uh, Hank God Williams? I'm a country boy. That's like Hank Williams Jr. No, that's old like, as shit. Yeah. What? Okay. Why do you drink? Wait, what? That's probably. I wonder how old that song is. It doesn't matter. This song is called "Bar at the End of the World" by Kenny Chesney from 2016's uh, album. His 2016 album, Cosmic Hallelujah. What song. do you think that means? Cosmic Hallelujah. Cosmic Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think he put that much thought into it? There's no way he came up with that title. What does that mean? That's like a title his producer came up with or something. That's like two buzzwords. Like, Hallelujah will appeal to your good Christian base, and Cosmic makes you sound new agey to fit in with the times. <laughs> uh, so this lyric is from the chorus. Um, uh, you ready? We'll get I'm into ready. it. So, will, will, we will, will, a contraction. Will. I'll explain every word. Set, um... Like to set put? out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Trey, okay. come on. I think we get the idea. Will. I feel like I'm saying that weird. Will. Wheel. Wheel. You say it like wheel, like on a car. Will, will, will. Set cell. Yeah, I'll see you there. <laughs> weird. Waving your hair with that t-shirt on. Dead men tell no tales. Whoa. It's like nowhere else you've ever been. We'll write your name on a blank. On a what? Read it for me one more time. Don't fuck it up this time. Okay. Read it through solid. <laughs> I can see the I'll, rhyme scheme. Am it's I performing on. too much? You're performing too much. You're doing what they call a poet voice. Just read the fucking thing. Let's head sell. Yeah, I'll see you there. 
waving your hair with that t-shirt on. Dead men tell no tales. It's like nowhere else you've ever been. Or write your name on a... What? You want it one more time? Give me one more time and don't read it like Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> we'll set sail. Yeah, I'll see you there. Waving your hair with that t-shirt on. Dead men tell no tales. It's like nowhere else you've ever been. Or write your name on a... What? Mmm. This is weird. The rhyme scheme's like really odd in this one. Or write your name... On a southbound wind. Can I give you... Okay, that's your guess? That's my That's my guess. That's actually not... That's pretty good. Yeah. So you think it's, well, write your name on a southbound, southbound wind. wind. Okay. So let's play it. We'll set sail. Yeah, see you there. Wind in your hair and that t-shirt on. Dead men tell no tales. It's like no. Put it on a wall, it'll still be there. Next time we come back, girl, to the bar at the end of the world. What the, What is this song about? <laughs> Cosmic Hallelujah? Is this like making a friend at the end of the world some shit? Let me go to, um, on the Genius lyrics, there's like a oh, quote awesome. where it says what it's about. Oh, where'd it go? It's not on the mobile one. Real high production quality. What are we? Pay- what are these interns paying us for? I don't know. You know, I was like, Give they me paid the- us and they don't do anything for us. <sighs> but anyways, you got it wrong. You said southbound wind, which I thought was a good guess. It sounds good, right? But it's on a dollar bill. So you said, it's like nowhere else you've ever been. Or write your name on a southbound wind. Yeah, it's too much magical realism for Kenny Chesney to really be going that abstract. <laughs> he was he was literal. You write a name he wanted on something a concrete. Bill. We're gonna actually do this. We're gonna Slap put it on the it wall of this bar. bar in at the end of the world, apparently. Where it's a place you've never been. Which I'm sure that's it, the name of the bar. Which I'm sure it's a beach. It's called a place you've never been. That's the bar name. It's like one of those tongue in cheek names. Like where are you going? A place you've never been. <laughs> All right, that was finishing Kenny. Finishing Kenny, I have lyrics of plenty, I am finishing Kenny. Alright, that was Finishing Kenny. Uh, before we get into um, the Beverly Davenport stuff, uh, I want to just, we both went to the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk about just our general experience there, maybe share a few stories, story maybe or two. a few laughs. Or a few Laughs in my case. Um, would you like me to start? Sure, Trey, you can start. I have two. You know, the thing I miss about college really is the the people watching, walking the and people watching was phenomenal. It was great, and everyone's like really awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would just be like walking in a massive crowd of like students. What's the and, worst is when you see like a fresh eighteen year old kid. He's a freshman. Oh, he doesn't boy. know where the hell he's going. He's walking on like the wrong side of the sidewalk. Well, also just like listening to the conversation. Oh, it's so great. I remember one time, I swear to God, this is what happened. I swear to God, this, I swear that this is what this boy said. I'm walking kind of towards the library on, is it Philip Fulmer? Yeah. That, um, oh, Volunteer is the one that goes right by the library. Or Volunteer, yeah. yeah. Um, and this kid kind of i think in my memory he's like walking he's walking very fast and he's on the phone and maybe he passes me 
and which had to be going fast because I'm a fast walker. He's a quick walker, know? brisk walker. And he says, quote, yeah, I'm on my way. I'll meet you in the library by where all the books are. <laughs> <laughs> I swear he said that. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the library, you remember when they, like the beginning of every semester there, they would put the fucking cops right there at the crosswalks and they would like yell at you when you would cro- if you crossed when the crosswalk wasn't green they'd be like hey stay yeah. on the sidewalk it's like dude i'm just trying to get to class it was like way too much yeah i had a pretty i witnessed a pretty bad Didn't, like, someone like make a girl cry or something you saw like this one girl started walking before he like gave the signal yeah it was like right before yeah. and he then he made her like stay on the sidewalk and everyone else go, and what I saw. Is that? I, I don't know. I, it was really. It made That's me really ridiculous. mad. What are these children? These are college um, kids, man. What the heck? But in a more lighthearted manner, um, my other. Um, I hesitate to even tell this because I feel like it could be like a movie or something. Are you talking I, about your public speaking class? I took a very. This was amazing. Dramatic, public speaking I can course. Tell a story about the girl who the fear, of talking. There's so many things. So great. I, I don't want to name the professor. Uh, I don't even think he's a professor anymore. He's just this guy. He, he had this teacher, and he was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And it was unlike any class I ever took. And a lot of ups and downs. And and I also, it was. I think it was maybe it was my last semester at UT. So I'm taking. I put it off until the last semester. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people in there are freshmen. I think there's freshman a few sophomores there's like one other senior this girl who was very shy um and so (laughs) this to give you an idea of how this class went your first project you had to just give like an introductory statement Mm -hmm. or like a speech just introducing yourself and that took i hold on just a second i am in some like group message and i'm getting i'm not in it so i'm going to uh that's nice Oh, you, it's like you don't want to be in this. Oh, yeah. Is it with so all I'm of gonna, our friends? No, me. it's not. <laughs> I promise. Um, anyways. So that took probably a whole month for us to get through all the people. We were averaging like, what? like two or three people a class. Oh, that's awful. Because he would get up and he would like work with the person. Yeah. And people... He was, an act, he was originally an actor, right? Yeah. And... Um, like we have to do like improv stuff mm-hmm. before this, but he would get up and he would like, he literally like, he'd be like, he'd ask permission. He'd be like, can I touch you? Is it okay? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, yeah. And then he would like try to like physically get them to like loosen up mm-hmm. basically. Like he'd be like, he'd like kind of lean against them and be like, and have, he's like, do your speech now. Yeah. And, but in anyways, and people for some reason started really opening up in mm-hmm. this class, like a lot. And uh, so the first girl that went, the very first girl was this girl. Her name was like Summer or yeah. something. Is this the one who did the Parks and Rec speech? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought, I thought someone did like an introductory, you had to do a speech where you introduce, introduce somebody. And they did like one for Ron Swanson talking about like craftsmen. And, oh. That's a different. Is that not you? <laughs> That's not me. Who told me that? I don't know. Anyways, continue. But this girl gets up and she's the first one. She's, she's so nervous. And, mm-hmm. she, you know, I don't blame her. I would have been nervous too. You can tell she had got up the night before and 
practice in the mirror over and over. Mm-hmm. So she gets up and she's very robotic yeah. and it's like, it was bad. It was really bad. And she, and she rushes through it and she's really robotic. And he, so he's like trying to work with her and he's like, and she starts crying. Oh my gosh. And it's like really awkward. Yeah. And he's like, and you are like a senior in class. Four yeah. And I'm grade. like, this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says, and he says, why are you crying? And she says, I'm not crying. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> tears are going down her face. She never came back to the class. No. Never came back. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, that poor person. So after she went. Um, this is so dramatic. So I've this, heard this story. I'm on the edge of my seat here. <laughs> this one girl gets up. It's not even the same class. I don't think. I think it might have been like the next class or something. Um, and she starts giving her a speech and then she, she says, she's like, I don't even tell people about this. Mm. Like, I don't talk about this, but my mom, I think she said my mom has MS. Like she's wow. going to die. What? And she, I think she, she starts crying and she's like opening up and everyone's like, Oh my God, this is wow. heavy stuff. And yeah. this is great. And he got up there and he's like, that was that was so good. That was so brave. And we were all like, it felt like you were in like a therapy session. Did everybody like get up and clap? I mean, wow. I think so. And then Jeez. it got even better. It gets even better. This girl gets up and she has like a disability where she can't be like in sunlight very much. Okay. Like her skin's very sensitive. And she gets up and gives this speech where she talks about how her parents overprotected her. Mm-hmm how she went to school and was bullied mm-hmm. like really badly. And she says, this kid told me that I should kill myself. Mm. And I went to the principal. I was sitting down with the principal of my high school. And he says, just keep your head down and get through high school. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, it sucks. People were like, I mean, it was honestly, I can't do the speech justice. It was one of the top three speeches I've heard in my life. It's like, I have a dream. Gettysburg. Address. I'm not kidding. This was an amazing it, 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 speech. Woman's speech. It made you feel like compassion and you feel sorry for her, but you're also like inspired at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is just like a, a 10 minute speech in a college public speaking class. It was class. true, man. You know what I mean? She was just being honest. It was true. Here's the thing. I was scheduled to go next <laughs> what the fuck did you talk about <laughs> i was i was like what? i was like oh no <laughs> like i came and i'm like dressed up to, and i'm like this is like a frumpy suit <laughs> awful i'm not wearing a suit i'm wearing like a collared shirt you know i'm like this is terrible like an award I think she was like the first or second person to go in the class. Yeah. The class was like an, what an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> this is so funny. I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. People, we she gets a standing ovation in the class, yeah. like like a three minutes. I swear, it was, it, felt, it was crazy. And he gets up there, and thank God he he talked. He like he talked the rest talked of the to the class and worked with her. And he's like, that was amazing for like the rest of the class. Oh, and I didn't God. have to go. So, oh I had to, my God. so I like came back to the next class and like let it off. What did you talk about? I don't really remember. Like it was kind of boring. I remember <laughs> I like cringe when I think back because I remember I, for you had to pick a quote. Uh-huh. 
and I picked a. Uh, oh no! Oh, I picked no. a Nirvana lyric. No, Trey. <laughs> what was it? I don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta say what was it. Dude. I genuinely, it's from my favorite song ever. Well, it's come a, as you are. Come as you are. Okay. And, but strangely, I picked the lyric. Um, which I think actually is a very moving lyric, but it's a strange lyric. To, it's a strange quote to pick. I don't. I will say I don't like quotes in general. Okay. I think quotes are corny. Yeah, and they're like simplistic. I don't like. So quotes. you picked a Nirvana lyric for yours. So I picked a Nirvana lyric. I was really into Nirvana at you the were. time. Still are. Still am. Yep. But um, at that time I was like getting really. Mm-hmm. And um, the lyric I picked was, "I swear that I don't have a gun." Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's weird to say. And I said, like, I know that's weird. I mean, you wouldn't say that today with all, like, the shootings and everything going on. But this was a different climate. But the the lyric means, like, I swear that I'm not not judging you. My defenses are down. Yeah. Come as you are. And it's really beautiful. Um, And that's what I picked. But I remember, so... the professor stand, gets up after I've given That's what you speech. led off with? You said... I no, no, no. It was like okay. at the end or oh, something. Okay, good. But like, I gave another... I can't... I don't even remember what I said. But, um... Like, I just talked about, like, my family. Can you imagine and, how awful that would be if someone gets up there and it's like, I would just like to say that I don't... <laughs> I swear that I don't have a gun. And then you just no, go no, into no, no, some no. speech. Uh, no, no. It, I, like, gave it a lot of, like, yeah. context. Um, so I get up and, you know, you gotta imagine there's a lot of, like... 18 and 19 year old girls. Yeah, yeah. And the professor says, what do you guys notice about about him? He's a man. And I'm man. like, oh my God. I'm like, this is so weird. And this girl goes, he's mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget oh my it. God. And he basically was like, well, no, what do you... <laughs> That. So, one more story. You write that down on a screenplay. Get it in the sag. The sag. One more story from this class. I think there was more that happened, but this is, I think, the only other noteworthy thing, like for this purpose. So, the other older student in the class uh, was this girl. She was very shy, and she went towards the end, and she gets up. And it was really one of the most brave things I've ever seen. Um, she's obviously so nervous. Mm-hmm. Like her body language is like, she's so tight. But she follows through and she gives this speech, this really good speech about how she had like some kind of, I don't know if she had a disorder, but she like, when she was younger, she literally could not speak. Mm-hmm. She would go to school and she would not This is speak. the one I remember from this class. And she had this one teacher, like she was, she would just like, people would talk to her and she would just shut down and she like, she had a a lot of anxiety, social anxiety. And she had this one teacher who like reached out to her and like helped her learn how to speak and like encouraged her. And she was, how thankful she was to that teacher. It was like her like third grade teacher or something. And it was just, it was really, uh, really moving. And everyone's, you know, kind of moved and the professor gets up and he's like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Like, that was really amazing what you just did. And it really was. Um, and there was this kind of like bigger guy in the class. He, I, 
I don't know if he was a football player, but he definitely like played football in high school. Mm-hmm. And he would always wear like athletic clothes. Oh yeah. And he was like, "We're all behind you." <laughs> that's sweet though, man. It was. That's so, it was that's so funny. Fun. And that I was like, sweet. I would walk out of that class every day, like, and I would be like, trip. "What just happened?" <laughs> Great. You gotta write that screenplay like, before that teacher does, which you I need know. to do. You know, I've seen him since. Uh in my job and stuff, but so I think that's uh, I only have like cringe stories. That's what I think college. about. When that's I like think the only thing I think of. I, I had some good experiences. I had some really good professors. Yeah, I had especially some great in the history department. I mean I had some professors I still have relationships with that are like mentors of mine. They're just mm-hmm. fantastic. Um I just think of like cringy stories when I think back to my experience at UT. Like, I remember it happened my junior year. I just happened to have, like, five classes with this one girl. I'll say her name was Tegan. And uh, we were friends, you know. And uh, I was taking a lot of poetry classes because that was my major at the time. And uh, she was, like, new to writing, creative writing and everything. So she was, like, asking me to look at some of her stuff. And, like, we were kind of workshopping stuff before class. And I remember we were leaving our – we had a film studies class together. And it was near the end of the semester, and Tegan gave me, like, her final portfolio for her final reading to read. And it was just, like, she was asking for the order to do it. And so I was reading through, it was, like, five poems. And uh, she was like, oh, this is my favorite one. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And she was actually talking with one of her friends. And, like, you know, I'm walking with the paper, and I'm reading. And they're talking about how shitty the weather is outside while I'm reading this person's manuscript. And I haven't said anything in this conversation at all. So, like, they're talking about how bad the weather is. Tegan doesn't know I'm listening. I'm just reading her work. And I go, yeah, that's been awful, hasn't it? It's just terrible. I mean, golly, I can't wait for this to change. And she was like, she thought I was talking about her work. Oh, gosh. So she was like, wow. She was like, thanks. That was, like, really hurt. She was like, I was, like, opening up to you. And I was like, I was like, oh, my God. I was talking about the weather. Oh, I, I bet you I, freaked out. Oh, my God. I, I felt like I was going to pass out. Did you, like, so over-explain yourself? Yes. I mean, I was like, I was like, Tegan, I'm so sorry. That is not what I meant to say. And she understood because, like, you know, we'd become friends. But... God, I still think that's one of those ones where you're like laying at bed at night yeah. and you feel like the sweat on the back of your neck, and you're like, Oh my god, why did I do that? Probably like <laughs> a few times a year, I think about the fact that I gave a Kurt Cobain quote in front of a class. <laughs> so, I can relate, yeah. Well, we should probably end now, it there and move it. on. Yeah. Uh, we're, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some UT politics stuff. Thank you so much for listening to Knoxon on Knoxville's Door. If you guys have any ideas, questions, comments, or concern, or maybe even potential topics, please shoot us an email at tipofthesunsphere at gmail.com. That's T-I-P-O-F-T-H-E-S-U-N-S-P-H-E-R-E at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at Grant D. Howard. And I'm at Trey Elm Townsend. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast app to uh, get all the new updates for the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Trey. Thank you, Grant. No, but seriously, thank you. No, Trey. Thank you. And thank everyone at home. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Knoxon on Knoxville's door. Uh, we're going to talk about um, the firing of the UT Chancellor 
Beverly Davenport. This happened uh, a little over a month ago as of this recording. Um, so I did a lot of research. Excuse me for a second. Ugh. We'll cut that one in post. So I did a lot of research for this. I read a lot of articles and stuff. Um, it's very interesting. I think we should just kind of go through the facts and we'll discuss it as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of us, she wasn't chancellor when we were yeah, there. Yeah, she came in after we graduated. It was Jimmy? Was it Jimmy Cheek at the time? I think time, it was Jimmy Cheek at the time. Who was not super popular. He was also fired as well, right? Or did he resign? I can't remember. He's not the chancellor anymore. Yeah. We know that. Um, so on May 2nd, UT Chancellor Beverly Davenport was fired by the UT president, uh, Joe DiPietro. Pietro, something like that, yeah. Uh, DiPietro uh, made public or sent her a inflammatory termination letter. It was kind of... He made, drugged this woman in public. It yeah. was messed up. And <laughs> it like, he had bullet points, like 12 points about right. why he was firing this woman. And he stated that Davenport... Um, showed a lack of trust, collaboration, communication, and transparency. Those are direct quotes Mm -hmm. in her relationships with UT leaders. He said she did not acclimate herself to, quote, the UT system. Whatever that means. Or, quote, tried to acknowledge the value of the UT system. He characterized her communication skills as, quote, very poor, um, Davenport is a communications professor. And I think his what he was basing that off of is some issues she made with tweets or something, or like a failure to correct that typos. That's what I read in one article. And I was just like, that's absurd. I mean, if something sounds, autocorrected. It sounds like if you're trying to find a, something. Yeah, that was really grasping at straws there. I have a problem when, when people... So using these vague terms like the ut system the value of the ut system what does that mean it it reminds me of um i'll very quickly you know i'm i'm a baseball fan Mm -hmm. i'm a braves fan Mm -hmm. so a couple years ago when they kind of made changes they fired the general manager and brought in a new one brought in new people and they were saying we need to get back to the Braves way, whatever the, the that Braves. Means. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's anything. just a thing to say. It's one of those like buzzwords. So yeah. saying the U, the value of the UT system, it what she doesn't fit in with the boys club. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what I take when I hear that. That's what it means to me. It, I think it just means that she's changing things up. So yeah. numerous students and alumni immediately came to the defense of Davenport. Mm-hmm. Um, they said. They cited her relationship with the student body, the way she handled, you know, issues like hate speech on the rock. Um, there was the incident where a white supremacist rally was held on campus. They like booked it as a church, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't cancel it. And I think she, she by all also, accounts, handled it really well. She also was very proactive in uh, talking about uh, sexual assault and like rapes and camp on campus and mm-hmm. stuff like that. She was very proactive in supporting the student body. In those and issues. she talked a lot about diversity mm-hmm. and changing things. Um, but really, most of all, her firing was instantly linked. I saw that a lot on Twitter and by word of mouth to her decision to opt out of uh, Governor Bill Haslam's plan to outsource um, campus worker jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. 
So uh, just very recently, on June 5th, the university announced that it had reached a settlement with Davenport for $1.33 million. What had happened is that she was fired from her role. and She was going to be kept on staff. As a professor, but she was being paid, you know, almost 10 times more what her colleagues would be. She's going to be getting paid $300,000 a year, which would total to the No, she was going to be getting, I think she was going to be paid $2 million a year. It was $2 million a year? Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, So she actually is like kind of leaving money on the table. And then they said, I think eventually it would be like $200,000 a year after like three or four okay. years. Okay. Oh, because she was going to keep her normal salary and then it was going to go to that. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, uh, but under this settlement, she's leaving UT and under the terms of the settlement, neither uh, the University of Tennessee or its employees uh, or Davenport can, are allowed to speak negatively of one another. So she can't say anything negative about the university. They can't say anything negative about her. Um, and she released her first statement since she was fired. She uh, thanking the UT student body, faculty, and the city of Knoxville. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from her statement. It's you can read it on her on her Twitter page. It's pretty long and I think worth reading if you're interested. But this quote, uh, speaking of the student, she stated, "quote They have inspired and challenged me. They are smart and they are tenacious. They want a better and more just world, and they expect our better angels to prevail." That is why they are often called our next greatest generation. They are our legacy. They are our future. Mm. So let's get into this whole um, outsourcing issue. Um, To give you some background, in 2015, um, Governor Haslam announced a plan to outsource jobs on public college campuses, state parks, and prisons to a Chicago company called Jones Lang LaSalle. I guess that's how you say it. Yeah. And he's and he claimed it would save the state a lot of money, millions of dollars. Excuse me. So for the University of Tennessee, the, the decision of whether or not to accept the plan was up to the Chancellor Davenport. And I would just like to say as a caveat, I mean, what jobs is he going to replace here? Is he talking about like the labor jobs around campus? Right. Yeah. Those jobs don't pay very well as it is. They start at about $12 an hour. I mean, that's good money, but for like the hard labor these people do, I mean, they're working outside, hot sun in the, hot sun in the summer, cold, cold, wet, rain in the winter. It's like, that's not very good for what they're doing. And so what would happen would is that a company would come in and kind of take over the management of these employees okay. and they claim that the you know no one would lose their jobs or their benefits um but anyone coming in wouldn't be guaranteed anything and mm-hmm. there's, we'll get into that a little bit more um but the decision was up to Davenport whether to opt into this plan this plan of governor Haslam's so immediately the united campus workers which is a union representing uh college campus workers the faculty, a lot of the faculty and students came out against the plan, citing concerns for workers' rights. Um, this information uh, was found in a New Sentinel article. Um, so although the state stated that the current workers would not lose their pay or benefits, opponents feared later employees would suffer and the companies would find ways to get rid of high-earning employees. Well, that's... that's- Definitely based in reality in Tennessee. This is a will. This is a will to work state, or what is it? Work to right, right to work, right to work. So I mean, essentially means for people who aren't familiar with what that means, they can fire you for anything. (laughs) So they, so the company, 
this company, Jones Ling LaSalle, has actually under this um, plan has an incentive to reduce cost. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason to do it is to reduce cost. So they actually get bonus. They get paid more if they reduce cost. the cost. Yeah, they reduce the cost. Yeah. So. They actually kind of have an incentive to get rid of higher corners. working yeah, of course. workers people or hire less. Yeah, for sure. Because you can so hire it, someone in new at a lower salary. So people rate. were obviously concerned about this plan. And on October 31st of last year, Davenport announced, and I was kind of following this. I remember I was like, well, they're going to opt in. It just seemed inevitable. But surprisingly, she announced that UT would not opt in to Haslam's plan. And she stated that. She did not believe the contract would save the supposed $5 million a year that was claimed. And she said it was more like the first year would save a little under a million dollars. And she said that the quality of work would suffer if they had experienced outsourcing other, other work and the quality of the work declined. Um, so there were a lot of people that were happy about that. Um, I remember, you know, some old, some old professors seeing them on Twitter, who were kind of celebrating her decision. But a week later, they have a, a board of trustees meeting at UT, um, and Governor Haslam is the leader of the board. He's the president. Of the He's board. the president of the board, right? And the members kind of bashed Davenport's decision. Uh, the president, DePietro himself, stated that he was disappointed and thought the university could have saved a lot of money. And in a separate statement, Haslam wasn't at the meeting, I don't think, but he made a statement in Nashville, and he claimed he claimed that uh, this decision by Davenport would not affect his relationship with UT and other colleges in UT in Tennessee, that he would not you know withhold money or anything like that. But he did added uh, he did add quote I'd be less than honest if I didn't say I was disappointed in the way the process played out. Um, that came from various sources, the Nashville Post, the Knoxville News Sentinel, and the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And I thought this was interesting. I found uh, on November 2nd, so just a couple days after the decision, there was an op-ed in the you know major paper here in Knoxville News Sentinel by Greg Johnson, mm-hmm. and he argued that the Tennessee taxpayers were the big losers because... Davenport turned down saving millions of dollars and he labeled the opponents of the contract as quote naive and impressionable students and leftist faculty members. <laughs> but the, oh, those damn leftists. The thing about this this decision was not only supported by these lefties mm-hmm. but uh, a lot of Republican and and Democratic like state representatives applauded Davenport for not opting into this contract because they were hearing a lot from their constituents that they were worried about it. So I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) Um, And after Davenport was fired, Haslam stated that he was not involved in her firing, but that he supported it. He he said that DiPietro kept him, quote, informed during the process about what his decision was. That was, quote, was from the New Sentinel. So this is the question. Uh, what is Haslam's relationship with Jones Ling LaSalle or JLL? Does, does he have a relationship with them, like a professional one? Well, he does. Okay. Um, 
So News Channel 5 Network report, I think it's a Middle Tennessee outlet, from about five years ago, kind of looked into this, started looking into this, and Haslam invested in the company before he ran for governor. Mm -hmm. He was an investor in JLL. He, you know, was forced to put the investment in a blind trust. I was about to say, for those of you guys who don't know, the Haslam family owns Pilot Flying J Corporation. Bill Haslam is... I think I read an article said he's the wealthiest politician not named Donald Trump, but I think he's actually even wealthier than really? Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize he's that. very wealthy. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, so he, you know, he has his investment in a blind trust. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how that works. What happens when he gets out of office? Um, does he like? just receive his investment back or like, why does that work? Not sure. I don't know, I don't know what the, like, um, the, uh... so, but they also said in this report that Haslam, he awards this contract to JLL in 20, I think originally in 2013. But before that he paid the, the state paid the company a million dollars to consult the government on how they were wasting money Ooh. in their employment contracts. Doesn't look good. And <laughs> this News Channel 5 Network report has a photo of Haslam with the board members of the of this company in the governor's residence oh, in gosh. 2012. Like, they're all smiling. <laughs> he had dinner. He hosted them. This is before anything was signed. Yeah, this is years ago, yeah. And there's a really good article um, I found from The Intercept written by uh, David uh, Dayan from April 27th, about a year ago, of 2017. And he kind of details how Haslam is kind of in bed with this company and how it's kind of sketchy. So he writes about Haslam's his gradual outsourcing of state jobs to JL, JLL and notes Haslam made a major investment in the company before he ran for, for governor. He also details how JLL was involved in the process from the beginning. They even helped write the contract that of the plan that um, Haslam was proposing. So what? all these universities had to decide. I think only one of them did. I can't remember which. Oh, it was Austin P. decided to opt in. Yeah. Um, but the company helped write the contract, which is very strange. Yeah, they're writing the yeah they're writing the contract that they're going to take. And he goes through also. Uh, uh, Dan goes through as the danger to workers, uh, like how this contract could affect workers. So under the contract, when the company takes over the management of the new employees or the existing employees, if the, if the workers are determined not productive, they can be terminated. Mm-hmm. So, so you're guaranteed not to lose your like pension or benefits or anything like that. But whatever, if they determine, if they can, like, find some cause and if they want to get rid of you, then they can't. If they determine you're not productive. Yeah. And that could be anything. They could do. They could do, come in and do random drug testing or anything. Um, and then they ha- he has quotes from a, a worker, I think, uh, from the University of Tennessee, uh, his experience when they outsourced the um, food jobs mm-hmm. to an, a big company. Um Aramark, I think, is okay, the company. Yeah, Aramark. Yeah. And he said it created a hostile work environment because you have it. They brought in new employees who are making 
much less than the older employees. And it just felt like management was like, you had to watch your, you had to watch it because you knew that management wanted to get rid of the higher earning employees. Mm -hmm. They're looking for a reason to get rid of you. Yeah. So I guess like the big, and that's pretty much all the information I could find. It doesn't look great. Doesn't the optics are very bad. So what do we think? Well, I mean, you said it. It doesn't look good. I mean, clearly there's a connection there. I mean, the the photos are established. They helped draft the contract that that they were going to benefit from. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to determine what intent is, but it seems like I think Haslam there. I mean, it looks like somebody's trying to get money out of their investment. I think Haslam has a pretty complicated legacy as governor. For Um, sure. There's things like the free community college, which are, you know, pretty a pretty progressive. It's pretty progressive policy, and, and I was, think it's really great. He was mayor of Knoxville. He was a trim, he was a huge supporter of Project Grad, which helped the inner city schools fund mm-hmm. students, which is um, having college. its issues now. It is. Um, but this this is where like you're breathing, you're bringing in private companies to take over government jobs, mm, a state a state institution, and it's this question of do we want private do we do we like the privatization of government and it's i'm hesitant to that always because like you know the the entire idea of like a uh, government institution is that it's funded by taxpayer dollars you know it's essentially it shouldn't function within the process to make money you know and when you bring in a private corporation, their incentive is to make money for their shareholders. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, they're trying to profit. And, and where's there's a certain the, amount of exploitation involved in that. And also, where's the where's the oversight? Or is the is if the government's controlling it, you have it's pretty clear, mm-hmm. right? Who's but you have a company, then it falls on. Well, you have there's like another like there's like another the latter you go up a few steps so you have instead of just uh, responding uh, directly to the government you have another entity in between so it's like a little murkier like maybe you can get away with more and you maybe don't you can treat your workers well and i was about to say and you don't see who's necessarily benefiting from that the face of who's backing this company and who's actually invested in it and profiting from it that's not necessarily public information unless you are uh, a politician, you have to disclose your tax information and your income. Right. So, so the, no doubt there's people making a lot of money off, off of this. this for yeah. sure. I mean, that's, de- I feels, would definitely assume it feels that's grimy. It feels dirty. And uh, it's just, it's just really icky. And the optics are so bad for Haslam. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, this is a guy who definitely has his eyes set on bigger pictures. Coming yeah. Out and of you know, he'll, he, this is his last year as governor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an election this year and then he's, who knows what he'll do. He said, he says that he will not become the president of UT because DeBetro is yeah. known to yeah. be retiring. Mm-hmm. But uh, another larger question is, you know, you, you go to UT you see Haslam everywhere. Yeah, there's several the buildings Haslam. named after his family. The Haslams kind of dominate the Knoxville area. Mm-hmm. Even now that he's not mayor, you have, you know, his kind of shadow is over the city, especially over the university. Him and his, uh, is it his brother, Jimmy? Jimmy, yeah. So the, he who owns the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, 
D Haslam owns River Media, mm-hmm. and they're very influential. And they kind of throw their money around, so they're you know you so it's like oh they do these great things like they fund this new building at UT, and the, but they have all the money in the world, and it's a question of why are they th- why are they what are their expectations when they donate a large sum of money to UT? You know, because we have... With Davenport fired, well, it's just there's like, a lot of murmurs that, well, Haslam wanted her gone, so she's gone. When, if you remember during the football head coach search, everyone was saying, well, Jimmy Haslam didn't want so-and-so, and it, this is what, and that's why Phil Fulmer is now the AD. And mm-hmm. that's what, so are they really... It kind of, it's not that big of a stretch to say that our Haslam's calling the shots at UT. Is that just like their playground? And is that a good thing? I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, you and I witness there's are other, there's a lot of issues that are going on at UT, you know, where it's like there is a lot of money being donated there and having those, those buildings there and also how like they help like the football programs with booster money and everything that does benefit the university because, you know, athletics donates millions of dollars back to the school at the end of the year. But UT has this issue of tuition. Tuition increased by 100% from the time my brother went there, who's five years older than me, than when mm-hmm. I went there. It was $3,000 a year when he went there, and it was 6000 we went, which is still incredibly reasonable for an in-state tuition. I mean, there's people around the country that pay four or five times that. But, you know, it's just like we're getting they're getting all this money, you know, and it's, it's where is it going? The students aren't benefiting from it. Yeah, they have new buildings, but they're graduating with $45,000 in student loan debt. Mm-hmm. And uh, at a public another, university. One of like DiPietro's main concerns or complaints about Davenport choosing not to opt in on the contract is that he claims that they could, if they saved the money from outsourcing the jobs, then they wouldn't have to raise tuition. And I find that so hard to believe that they wouldn't mm. just raise tuition. They were just going to raise tuition. Because, like, if, you remember at the uh, – we'd always get that email at the end of the year. It would be like, the board of trustees right. has decided what to increase it by so much percent. And it's the same percent every year. Yeah. The conditions change. I'm sure it went up even during the recession. It's like – it's 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 madness. It goes up and every year. And it's kind year. of a larger topic of the cost of college in mm-hmm. America. And actually what the value is of it, right. I mean, essentially. Um. I guess it's you know I think to have a universe such a large university in Knoxville is um, the potential, and I think it, the university does do a lot of good work. And I met some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. There. I mean, it, it is it's considered a top twenty program for a lot of the PhDs. It's mm-hmm. one of the it has one of the best engineering programs in the country. But there's still this feeling of like. Uh, of a boys club kind of running everything you have even the interim um oh yeah he's chancellor the, is from the engineering department he's the, he, he's the dean there and he looks like he's 70 years well, old he's, he's been a professor for over 20 years i'm though. not i mean he he may be a great guy no, I, don't I don't know the gentleman yeah but um the optics again Doesn't look not good. great it's not looking good <laughs> not great and what's also weird to me is that she's somehow blamed for like Everything revolves around sports. She was blamed sports. with the, the athletics. And I yeah, was like, what? I was like, what is, I don't, I don't understand. Like, obviously the athletic director should be, be mm-hmm. held accountable. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, the president understand, but the, I always kind of assume the chancellor role is more of an academic thing, but I guess yeah. it's just. 
whatever. Uh, I think I've said all that I kind of want to say about this topic. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, gosh, it really doesn't It's like kind it. of, I'm, I <laughs> I hope that people kind of are paying attention to this. I have yeah. a feeling they're maybe not, but um, this did, definitely people at UT are paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we thank you for listening. Um, yeah, just a tough story, <laughs> weird story. Yeah, it's wild. And there's no, like, there's not clean cut. You know what I mean? There's no, like, definitive evidence. It's just things that make you raise questions. It doesn't look good. It smells bad. Yeah. But, it, like, there's no, like, there's, I feel like there's more going on behind the scene that's actually being told here. And I wonder if there's someone with the resources and kind like of looked into it. The way they gave her, like, a like an NDA, like a non disclosure. Yeah. It's like she couldn't say anything. That's really weird. <laughs> Maybe that's really common, like when you when you're fired from a chancellor role. I don't know, but once again, it's one of those things that doesn't look good. And it's also another person that um, UT is fired, and now it was a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, you know, apparently that money comes from donors mm-hmm. when they go to. I don't know about for the chancellor, but definitely for the coaches. They yeah. say, "Well, they have to go." <sighs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Knox and Knoxville's door. Uh, Appreciate you listening. I'll see you guys next time. Yes, see you there when in your hand that t-shirt on. Dead men tell no tales. It's like no.